You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. We're at season 10, episode 26. I'm John, I'm your host for this evening. I'm joined by Scott from the Footy Blog Net. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good, thank you. You? Yeah, good, aye, good. Big week coming up for Scotland. Well, fingers crossed. Starting to get excited, which is... Is that why Tony's not on? Probably daft. Well, maybe that, it might be a, <laughs> something to do with some Czech team as well, but uh, I know he assures me he's got the cold, so we'll believe him. We'll accept the signal on this occasion. The Czech cold. Uh, next time we'll need to get a message from his mum, <laughs> just to see what's happening. Um, so we've got another guest on tonight who we've been trying to go on for a while. Back in February, we were initially trying to get him on and then basically got March the 13th football basically shut down. So we've got football fan, reporter from the juniors now west of Scotland. Uh, once it gets going again, big boxing fan. I think you dabble on the boxing websites yeah. as well. Uh, Donald, how you doing? Hi, John. You all right? Thank you for inviting me on. Hi, no, pleasure. Nice, nice to see you, Scott. Eventually. Eventually, yeah. It's just a, a few years in the making. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, I, as I say, good to get you on, because um, we've been trying going on for a while. So, going just now, what's COVID been like for you since lockdown? Oh, nightmare. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a bit like, off, off air there, me and uh, Scott were just talking. Um, and I, and I, Football sense, um, and mind you, probably a wee bit before COVID, my sort of love for the game at top level uh, was dwindling. Um, and since restart, it's it's never really sort of regained anything. It's it's continually just went down. Talking like top level, as in EPL, um, international, sort of, and even top leagues in, in Europe the Bundesliga, La Liga, etc. Just when it came back, it was like, I, I, and I still, to this day, I mean, I've said to people, the last full game I watched um, was on March the 12th, and it was Rangers by a Leverkusen. Um, I, I'd actually been working that day, so I had uh, I stayed out for a couple of beers after it and watched it in the telly and the Boswell in Auckland Lake, and uh, that's the last full game I've watched of... So the the project restart that they had obviously in England and, and even the, the I watched a little bit the Belarusian league because that was the one league that was still going right to the very start and and everybody in social media was doing the same thing so I I tried to get into it but it's, there wasn't a league then sort of appealed to me at all um, but I never watched any I, like ten minutes of the, some game when it came on Liverpool even it was the top teams that was playing it was Liverpool Arsenal nothing. I felt nothing. Um, it just shows you how much fans are, are make make up everything a lot um, of football, yeah. and obviously they had there was nothing here in Scotland, obviously. So we um, just totally shut down. We had the hullabaloo regards the will they get relegated? Should Celtic win the league? Hearts and Partick and Wraith Rovers and Stranraer and all that and it, it was just it was an embarrassment to me everybody finding out other leagues is doing this and doing that and as I say football's back uh, not obviously as it was um, but I still 
to this day haven't watched a full game of football. Um, even the Rangers, I'm was a season ticket holder at Ibrox way back in the day, and I'm still a Rangers fan. And the old firm game came up there, and I took in maybe 40 minutes all in of the game. Um, I just watch another. But there's other, it's the fan thing, because I can go and watch other sports that's not good fans in either. I mean, horse racing and snooker, boxing is back, and I can sit and watch them without any crowd at all, and it's fine. Um Football-wise, it's so my my time in COVID has just been going over old games again and reminiscing and my broken heart. <laughs> reminiscing about when fans were there. Aye, aye, exactly. Aye. Wish you told us this before you came on, Donald, that you've not been watching any football, eh? <laughs> no <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've not been watching any, I'm still actually getting involved. And in, in, obviously, it's, it's it's social media. I'm still on it, and you can't can't help obviously find out. And you know, obviously, everything that's going on. You read about it, and you and I'm still I still digress, and I love reading stories about the big leagues and things like that. Yeah, and obviously your VARs and, and everything else. I'm, but I must, and I'm, but I'm diving in, and I'm watching games, and uh, and I'll go back if I haven't seen it. I'll go and catch some clips or whatever else. But as I say, I haven't actually sat down for a full ninety minutes and watched a full game. I uh, just when you were mentioning the big five leagues just before we came on, actually, I was reading about uh, League One struggling because the TV deal that they'd negotiated looks like it's almost collapsing. They've not been paid for October. Uh, yeah. and I wonder how we're yeah. going to survive. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, the big leagues as well. I know. I know. Was, was that not the PSG owner negotiating with the TV company that he ran? Was that not all? That all legal? I don't know as, as much as that. Some Qatari. Spanish media company is what I'd seen, but I don't know. Uh, he, was, he was the one that was dealing dealing with the, the kind of um, talks, and I, I thought they were going back to to their, their usual, um, which was a kind of Qatari owned uh, situation. So no doubt they'll get somebody will plug the plug the gap because it, essentially it's still live football, it's still live content, and you're not getting as much of that these days as as you once were. So. Maybe not for the same amount of money, but who knows? Aye, someone will, someone will pick up for a, a cheaper deal, no doubt. Yeah, it could be. But, uh, so uh, yourself, obviously, we kind of mentioned earlier, you do a bit of reporting, or you have done in the past for the, the juniors. Yeah. That's obviously been affected just now, so you've been missing yeah, the, your fits. Yeah, I I'm, 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 must admit, that's where my passion lies now. My passion lies in the non-league football. Um, there's the, 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 the saying, there's a good... Um, Quote that they came out obviously a bit a bit non-league football, junior football as such. Although it's no junior football, anymore. well there is a little bit of junior football still, yeah. but not that we know it. Um, the the sort of choose life quote from Train Spotting that was reworded basically into non-league football, and it's like choose non-league football, choose a pint with your mates, choose arguing with a with an opposition player, choose the half-time draw to win a prize chicken, choose. <laughs> Choose this, choose that, um, and then at the very end, though, it's choose non-league, and and that's what I love. That's what I love about it, and it's going to um, and the community-based clubs, and they, they've been hit hard, very yeah. hard at the moment. I've seen um, through some of the clubs, especially around here in our area, um, just what they've been doing behind the scenes uh, without any games, especially come looking off and lick. 
um, just um, donate a ticket's been one of the a big success. I uh, definitely yeah. On online, the, the, the money they put. I'm in a WhatsApp group um, for a few fans of Cumnock Juniors, and um, and every week they were donating, and, and quite a wee bit of money they were putting in, and they were mm-hmm. they were they won it. Actually, they won one of the times, and they got to the final, and actually won it. And I think overall, um, they donated um, over it was over about four thousand pounds throughout every round. Because um, you could donate up to, I think you could donate up to twenty pounds, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, but you could donate that more than once or twice. Um, you couldn't obviously go over that, but uh, you could do it in other lots of different times. But um, but that's what I do. As I say, I miss I miss going to the game. I miss getting in there to meet old such and such from the it's been up to Pollock and going to Atherley. Not been up at the games for a while. If you've been based down here in Ayrshire, but knowing them. You walk into the ground, it's maybe the first time in six months that you've been up to that area, but they're, um, he's passed away now. Franny McEwen, who's the secretary at Pollock Juniors, a, a really good friend, um, would be there. And if even if you hadn't seen him, he'd be like, hello, Donald, how are you getting on? Um, come on in. Um, and we'll have a wee app on him. And if he's busy, he'll say, I'll catch you half time. And sure as you'll be there at half time and you go and you can sit and you'll have a, a blether and you'll have a pie and you have a, a quick beer and then back out to the game and it's like that. If you've got the time, Donald, after the game, come on in um, get a couple of interviews with the players and I'll meet you after it uh, before you head back down the road. Um, and, and that's what I miss. I miss a bit the, the whole sort of non-league football and that's for the top right to the very bottom. Some of the teams you go to Luger Boswell, I could go away down to Keller Rovers at Kirkconnell. Um, the community-based spirit that they have, and they maybe only get crowds of 20, 30 um, turning up to their games, but they're there every week. And you get to know them uh, when you're there down at Coburnley and Breathe. They, they like to go on, obviously, as if they're the, the, the hard nuts and all that, but they're, they're, they're mellow below the, the, the shell. Aye, I'm <laughs> forever telling them. I'm forever telling the guys about the, the pies at Breathe. Absolutely lovely. The, 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 I must admit, I've not been to a bad one, but I've not had a bad one yet. There probably will be some somewhere, but certainly not in the West. That, that's one good thing. They do good pies. Aye, they definitely do. I think you're a bit similar, Scott, aren't you, in terms of you can, if you're going to football, you tend to go to more lower level football than high profile stuff, aren't you? Yeah, a, a kind of teams like Pollock and Mary Hill kind of draw me in. It's the Basically, go anywhere you want in the stadium. You're not restricted. Yep. You can have a pie, chat, you know, and these are the things you spot. Because of what I do, I, I usually film things and interview people within within the, the, the clubs and the things that, while I'm there. Um, I, you know, I did it at Cumnock as well. And you learn so much and they're so open and they love talking about their football clubs. They love telling you the history, why they're still here. And that's why they are still here is because they have engaged with the community you know Cumnock for example had no football pitch for kids to play on had you know very much had nothing to centre the community around and now they've got the football pitch which is um, 3G, 4G and they use that for pretty much everything and anything within the community the, the, the enterprise there is fantastic yeah it's one um, of the best jobs around about this area so it is that's but it's not, fantastic. But it's not just for football. It's not just for boys. It's not you know. It's for every gender, every age group, everybody you can think of, and that's why people 
are, are there supporting them now because they were supporting the community for a number of years. And it's you know it's the same with Pollock when I went to Pollock. Um, they were doing so many things that, you know for people with disabilities. Uh, you know all the rest of it, um, and that's what it is. It's Mary Hill people came together and they literally saved Mary Hill. You know, the volunteers that are there that we go there every week to work. The, you know some you know I remember a, a young person interviewed, and he was club secretary. Never knew anything about it. He just wanted to help. And they went right. Okay, well, you could be club secretary. That's what happened, you know. And that's <laughs> he's he's doing his bit. So, yeah, it's the atmosphere is just so much better for me when you go to a, a junior or um, right, West of Scotland, I suppose it is now a game, you know. And it's I've taken a few boys from the terrace and uh, took a Andrew get was a French football writer and stuff, and you know they enjoyed it as well because you. There's nothing better for me anyway to go to Pollock. It's a nice sunny day, and you know, I have been a couple of times that it has been sunny, and just enjoying the football. And then you go to Locks Bar afterwards, just you know, it's a, it's a, a literally one minute walk away from the ground. You go out the ground, take a right, that's you at the and you're having a pint. And you know, and last time I was there, it was Pollock and Clyde Bank, and Clyde Bank. The supporter absolutely chastising the Pollock goalkeeper, and then this old guy must have been in his eighties, just came over and started having a, a fight with him—not a physical fight, but just an argument. And you're like, "They're brilliant," you know. It's just, it's just passion. Yeah, I've um, had some arguments with Clyde Bank fans. To be fair, they, <laughs> well, they're, they're they're interesting. Be, they seem to be the ones to have a fight with. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and that's what I'm—that's what I'm kind of addicted to. I, I, I go on about the story of how I was a Rangers fan. The, Rangers, the reason why I'm not a Rangers fan, it's not that I don't have any feelings for towards Rangers. It's just I'm not the same. It's not I'm not as passionate about Rangers. If Rangers lose to Celtic. That doesn't ruin my weekend. 10, years, 10, 15 years ago, that would ruin my whole week, week, never mind weekend, if Rangers lost to Celtic. I couldn't, you know, go out, you know, go out the house with a smile because that's what happened. So to go and that's to go to all these different places and find out how the community how benefits from football has just been a godsend for me because as I say, I've not got a club of my own. So that's kind of filled the gap. Oh, yeah, it's interesting. Just something as well in terms of you're mentioning the juniors. I keep on calling it the juniors still because you just you're in such a habit. Of it's like the SPL. It will take a wee while. Yeah, uh, but for someone like yourself, Donald, you've obviously been you've grown up with it, steeped in the tradition, the local rivalries, and everything like that. How did you kind of first feel when the basically almost the death of the juniors was first mooted in terms of this move to the West of Scotland league? I was I was actually very very I was for it. I when I when I seen it I I wasn't one of those that um, I'm quite I'm a progressive person um, and the the pros heavily outweighed the cons for me um, about the move. I could see I could see the cons in talking to the people that didn't want to move, but the people that didn't want to move were an older generation. Um, and and you could tell why they didn't. They wanted to stay, especially in this area. They were worried that they would lose their Auchinleck Cumnock derbies. Yeah. They would lose the Auchinleck Glenafin derby. They would lose the Cumnock Glenafin derby. 
and in your smaller teams, obviously, they, they don't play them as much. But again, just focusing generally in my area, your Lugan Boswells and Muirkirks will generally always play off and let them come up maybe twice a season in the in the, the, late, the group stages of the old Jackie Scarlet Cup, uh, the Glass Cup. Um, that would be going, obviously, and they'd be thinking, so, well, we don't have this anymore. They were already, they, they teams were already in leagues where they were having to travel to play a Vela Clyde or a way up to Dumbarton to play Vela Leven, um, or a way up to Wishaw or Lanark. Um, and then they were thinking, well, we're not going to play any other teams here, are we? Or are we, depending on the draw? So you could see, obviously, the financial aspect of them even further going down. Um, but the teams want to progress, and co-winning Clyde Bank, Irvin Meadow, they were often like Talbot Cumnock Glenarf, and they all kept it quiet. They never, you never heard any any mute that was sort of, oh yeah, we're, we're for it, we're against it. They all kept it close to their chest. Um, as I say, Clyde Bank, Irvin Meadow, co-winning, they were quite vocal in regards, obviously, the move. But but I thought. It's a great move because then you're going in. Obviously, the, the pyramid is there. Teams, I mean, these teams are way bigger than um, half the teams that's in the Lowland League as it is at the moment. And and the, the chance to go up um, for them is would be fantastic. And the next thing you're in there and you're playing, you might not think teams like East Stirling and, and, and Berwick Rangers, but if you're playing, if you're up there and you're playing them, they still have a wee bit of a good support that. One week, obviously, Ogunlet Talbot against Berwick Rangers, who, if it was Ogunlet Talbot against Kirkintilla Rob Roy, who don't really have that big a support, um, you're maybe talking 300 yeah, crowd, but the next time they're at home to Berwick Rangers, Berwick Rangers would maybe bring 100, 150 fans to their away game. East Stirling could bring a support down. Um, and then, obviously, you've got the big boys now in there who are for the East and then, but that is a is a cherry. Obviously, you're chasing that you want to get in there. You want to play them. There was always a rivalry that was in the juniors when it came to the junior cup for the east against the west, and they had lost that. So the junior cup was diluted almost to like a, a sort of glorified west of Scotland cup for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. You got to the last sixteen in the last eight to the cup, and if you were if there was one east coast team left in it, you were lucky. Um, the the upper the sort of little bonus of that was obviously there was West Coast teams getting to that stage that had never been there for a long long time, so teams like Craig Mark, Bertonians and and and, um, and Wishaw and that who maybe wouldn't get past the first or second round all of a sudden were reaching the last sixteen and the quarter finals even, but um, so there was no Bonnie Red Rose, no Kelty Hearts or Bonnes or, or anything like that for teams to play Pennycooks. Um, they're all, they were all there, and if you wanted to, obviously, to continue playing them, then you had to move. Um, and I think I think it'll be a success. Obviously, the situation that we're in at the moment means it's it's, it's a hell of a bumpy road. It was going to be slightly bumpy anyway, but um, obviously, it's a lot more at the moment. But eventually, teams will teams will still play your Ashfields and your. Maybe not Mary Hill, because Mary Hill's a big club, but um, Ashfield and, say, Glasgow Perthshire and other Glasgow-based teams. And if they don't want to go up, you don't have to go up. You don't have to progress. You can stay where you are and still play the teams that you are so that you're not going to financially go bust. 
by spending, overspending and going up there. But the teams that want to progress, and then all of a sudden, you, you might not want to initially, but all of a sudden you win your league and you go up and then you think, well, you know what? We're in a financial stable budget here. Why not? Let's push for some. Let's see how we can go against maybe somebody like uh, well, Darvel's obviously come on with a little bit of money now, Darvel, but teams like Coburnley and Beath who could turn around and say, there's some chance of promotion here if we win this. We're playing against the team for the Highland League and the team for the Lowland League. We can beat them. The next thing, they're in the league. Uh, they're in the setup. So I'm, I'm one of the ones that I could see all the the history and the past that I loved, but I could see the future and and I'm, 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 I've, I've embraced it. Um, and I think it'll be a success. Yeah, I think it should be interesting to see what the the league setup will look like in five, ten years' time. In terms of how many teams from the the old West Juniors and East Juniors will be in the the main leagues, the main four leagues. Yeah, and then obviously, definitely, the, as you say, a lot of the clubs that are in these uh, setups. They're, they're yeah, like, are well, more supported than teams in the leagues, likes of League yeah. Two, or even can compete with teams in League One. Yeah, and you'll get teams obviously that you've got obviously coming the other way because once you're up there, some of the teams that's already in the league, in the lower league, obviously they drop out that they'll drop but as it stands at the moment, most of them are in the east. Um it is a predominantly east based lowland league as it is. But teams coming down from League Two, just say for example, an Albion Rovers or um, a Stirling Albion or something like that, that drops down into the Lowland League. Maybe by that time, an Ohlenet Talbot, a Cowinan, a Clyde Bank could all be be up there. Um, the league could be changed. And then the next thing, obviously, an Albion Rovers has maybe dropped from Division 2 to the Lowland League and then dropped out again. And all of a sudden, the Albion Rovers are then, in, are then playing in the top division of the Premier League. So you're looking at, you could be looking at somebody that's maybe a stable... West of Scotland Premier League team that they're probably not going to go up. Maybe like a Hurlford United or or somebody or like a Bees or, or Coburnley as I've mentioned. The next thing they're playing a home tie against Albion Rovers because <laughs> Albion Rovers have slipped out of the league. So you've got some big name teams up there that could be coming down, as well as obviously the teams that want to go up. I I think the only issue that there is maybe is whether the the promotion into the the main setup is that easy. That's the, the thing. Well, yeah, I, obviously, you're, you're, you're um, licensed, obviously, to get up there. Teams are, might not. I think most teams have got going to go for their license because yeah. to, to play in the Scottish Cup, because um, obviously the Scottish Cup's massive now. Obviously,
plans that go beyond years and not just seasons. Um, obviously, that maybe gets curtailed this season because of what's happened. But I don't think your main clubs there are, are thinking, well, we'll hang around. I think they're thinking they can get into League Two at some point. I will, especially as well when you look at this season with the teams that have pulled out that we've spoken about already. Yeah. Uh, the likes of your Talbots and Cumnets, Glenafton, Pollock. Um, but if it's you a look big at... for likes of Darvel or Clyde Bank there. They're the early pace setters anyway. But if you look at... Even if you look at teams like Pollock and Auchinleck who have pulled out of playing, they have still been able to keep players. And that, again, says a lot about how well run they are as football clubs that they can keep these players, maybe loan them out, whatever they have to do just now, but they are thinking ahead and they are progressing in, in such a fashion that they're, they're able to do that. Aye, because you'd mentioned Pollock last week, the fact that they'd basically signed the whole squad up to new contracts and asked about Talbot or other clubs. So up until then, Talbot hadn't really announced anything, but the past week, a couple of players have gone to BSC Glasgow on loan signed a new contract with Talbot and then earlier today it was announcing a couple of players have signed new deals so I would expect maybe something similar that they might go on loan to clubs until January and, and yeah. how good how good is that for Talbot that they can loan players up leagues and then bring them players back so their players are going to get a really good experience <laughs> and when they come back then they're, they're ready for rocking and rolling for when their season starts whenever that is I caught I caught um it just shows you, obviously, yeah, the loan Jamie Glasgow and Craig McCracken to BSC. Craig McCracken won man of the match at the weekend and Jamie Glasgow scored a cracker. <laughs> I did, I, I, seen the, I seen the goal, I was good. Because uh-huh. they, they, they loaned uh, Dars Christie from Pollock as well, so they've taken a few from the, the West teams. And it shows you the standard that I think some people, especially if they just look at the Scottish Premiership or wherever their team might be in the professional leagues, they, they kind of don't understand the standard of player that plays in the West of Scotland teams because any time that I've went to any game in these leagues, I've saw a good, good standard that people just don't realise. Yeah, I mean, you get the guys at that level, I think, can easily play a League 1, League 2. A lot of it comes down to work commitments and stuff like that. If you're in a good full-time job and you've got the option of maybe going to a part-time side, are you going to do it and take the risk? Those likes are the good example is Andy Leishman at Talbot. Years ago, after the Hearts game, and there was rumours that Hartwell he went training with Hearts. There was other clubs interested in him, but is he going to give up a full time job? I think he had a young family at the time, or was maybe a family in the way, and take the risk that you're going to make it because not that many make it in the, the full time leagues. Yeah, tricky. Yeah, but there's, a, there's plenty that can play at that level and have done it, have played at that level in the past as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I, it's good to hear someone positive about it anyway, Donald, because it's a nice change. And it's exactly, exactly. I mean, they're out there playing. I mean, the, the boys are all playing. The league started, as I say, it's, it's, it'll be a curtailed season. Um, and obviously, it's not with everybody playing. What happens? Well, who knows? Nobody knows it. I mean, it's touch wood. It's been okay so far. Um, regardless, I've not heard of any cases. Um, it's the weather. <laughs> It's the weather that's calling the games off at the moment, and we're only just in November. Um, teams were lucky. A lot of teams there, I think it was not Saturday there, but the Saturday before. Um, 
quite a lot of teams' games that were off, they just automatically switched the game to the other team. So they all went ahead, but obviously they're not going to do that again uh, if it's if we've already played them uh, twice. So uh, it's been interesting. I've been following, obviously, as I say, I've not been able to get to any games. But the social media has been brilliant for the teams. The teams are now... They're, when it, would this have happened? Probably at some point down the line. The situation has caused, obviously... I mean, Scott will obviously... With his obviously working what he does at the moment, um, teams have embraced the the, the culture of, of technology. And now you're finding not... I think every team are now at least streaming some sort of game... And it's a way for obviously the fans to pay in to watch, um, and that's that's not even west of Scotland. That's everywhere. Add the east into that. Add, add the lowland league teams into that. Every non-league team is is getting out there and getting somebody some sort of uh, stream out there, whether it's through Facebook even, just uh, or YouTube or whatever uh, for the the games to be shown. So, I mean, that's been good for me obviously because my Saturday afternoons now sometimes my missus and my wee man. Take um, control of me, so um, because I'm not actually at a game anymore, she'll be like, um, "So what are you doing this afternoon?" And sometimes it's quite hard to try and twist her arm to say, "Well, I'm just going to sit in front of a computer and watch <laughs> and watch um, Caledonian Braves against the uh, Berwick Rangers." But uh, and she's like, well, "Well, we really need to do something with the wee man." <laughs> Uh, but I can watch again, obviously, it's on a Saturday night, which I would never have got that facility. <laughs> I would maybe need to wait two days later before it was maybe uploaded by any team that did have uh, a cameraman or somebody at the game. So that's a bonus that the West of Scotland teams are all having at the moment, obviously. And as I said, that would probably have happened in the future at some point, but they've all took it on now. So even when fans come back, I think they'll still keep it on. And they'll still do it because they're picking up fans now for the expats, teams that fans that's moved away down south or even abroad in Australia or wherever that can watch. The, they're just sitting on a Saturday afternoon. They're, they're going onto the Facebook forum page and say, right, when's the stream coming up this afternoon? It's Jimmy Muller for Melbourne. <laughs> and that's that, that is the thing. I think what they've had to do is embrace technology. They've probably been looking at it in the past and thinking it's maybe not worth it. And then it suddenly has to be, it's become vital for them. It is more than worth it now. And then, as you say, they, they find that they, they're getting these fans from expats or people who are working abroad or people who are working down south, wherever. And even people who are maybe just that wee bit further away, you know, that are maybe 40 miles away from the, 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 the stadium, who will continue to do it. So... And the expense isn't as expensive as people think. Certainly no, not, that's the thing. It's certainly not. not these days. So no. they can then think, well, we've now got another source of income, even when the fans do come back in. So and it's it, Scottish football for too long, up and down the leagues, has closed off to fans in some, some degrees. And they've not embraced social media and video technology enough. Does that mean they should use AI? Probably not, given what happened uh, a couple of weeks ago with the Baldy linesman. But (laughs) there is still room for technology and it can really impact and send you around the world because there will be people who think, right, okay, I'll go to watch whoever and then suddenly 
it's called Burnley, you know, they've picked or they've picked, um, you know, any team around in the world, and you know, that's what you're, you're opening yourself up for. Do you think it'll happen in the more the senior teams, like your Aberdeens and Dundee United and all that? It's been a blessing for me in terms of able to see more games because for me to go to Aberdeen every second weekend, it costs a fortune. Um, so I actually so have seen more Aberdeen <laughs> games this season at this point than no. I normally would. Will so the still... difference, the difference is Sky have got obviously the coverage for the top league. So will they be as happy to let Aberdeen show their home games? No. Once no, every, no. everybody can get back into the stadiums and stuff like that, you need to be an international subscriber to see them at. Yeah, so that it, yeah. it's that's something that. The SPFL have to think of the next time that they sign a TV agreement and whether they can try and work a way around that, but that won't happen straight away. I don't think. I don't think Sky or BBC, whoever got the highlights packages and stuff, will be interested in continuing that beyond um, the pandemic. Aye, I think you're sadly right. Uh, Ross County though saw some fans on Saturday. 300 uh, back in again yeah and it was terrific because it gave everybody a target it gives everybody a goal and a bit of transparency so if you're in tier one um, and if you can manage the protocols properly then I think we should be saying right well you can have fans that you know a certain number of fans can go in so hopefully it'll be the same for Inverness Cali Thistle Elgin whoever else is in that kind of neck of the woods they can then bring fans. Um, what tier is Aberdeen still in tier two? Aberdeen yeah, in one or two. So it, yeah, that, I think that, Aberdeen's a two. I think it's a two. So, so they're, they're hoping that that will come down to one. And when it does, they can then start planning for when they can have fans back in as well. Um, I think it has to go across all leagues. I, I, mean, I don't understand why. I, I wouldn't be understanding if it, you know, I can get Ross County as a, a, a pilot you know, testing centre. But hopefully, that if it works, and I'm hopeful it has worked, then, as I say, Elgin, Inverness, Cali, and then other regions can think, right, okay, well, once we get into Tier 2, heading into Tier 1, we can start planning, and then fans can start getting excited again. Might be nice timing as well for the Highland League commencing as well. Yeah, be no. terrific for the yeah. Highland League. There's been quite there's been quite a few people um, I know through Twitter, obviously, that's up that way, that's getting a wee bit kind of, a wee bit excited that there's a possibility that uh, there's one of my friends, actually, who's from Aberdeen, uh, who has just made a phenomenal, as we were speaking off air, obviously, about me going to Carlisle City. Um, that was where I first met him. Um, and he works offshore, so he's only here for a certain period of time. Um, and he been travelling from Aberdeen to all these games down south in the Newcastle, sort of Cumbria area, um, midweek on a Saturday with his son. I mean, 500, 600 mile round trip journeys to go to a game. I don't know who you're talking about, the guy. I think I've seen him on Twitter. Uh, Graham. Graham, his aye, name aye, is. Aye, yeah. goes by Ballbag. Hi, hi. Is his username. I mean, his son go to all the games. And um, as I speak, he's kind of hoping really that he would just hop, skip and a jump name to go to like Ellen or, or Bucky Thistle or whatever if these 
goes into tier one and they're able to get a crowd. Might have an awkward effect when the senior teams do start back. Folk will be like, no, I'm no, I'm no bothered going back. I'll just stick to watching Highland League. Exactly. Well, if they're in first, if people want, if you're really, really like me, that would be me. If I was in that area, I would, I would be jumping at it. I mean, if I was in that area, you're probably going to be an Aberdeen fan. Uh, Inverness, if you're over that, that way a wee bit. Um, but uh, I would... It's just being me, obviously, being a football fan as such, I'd be like, well, if I'm off to watch Bucky Thistle or whoever's my closest team that gets to me, rather than waiting and waiting and waiting to get back to Pataudry. Avoiding going shopping on a Saturday. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to remember, we are talking about Scottish football and there is a base of... Rangers and Celtic fans all over Scotland, so it's not as if <coughs> they're all going to be suddenly they're going to go to the Highland League and just remember oh. that the, the, they're going to go back to you know the glory days of whoever they support, whether it's Hearts, Aberdeen, Rangers, Celtic, whatever you know, our um, our football fan isn't um, always as. Uh, well, fair, well weathered as us in terms of you know we love that kind of um, atmosphere and environment from the the non-league stuff. Um, you've got ones that are probably a bit too spoiled. Aye, no, you never know. Because to be fair, I would never have probably gone to a junior game until I started um, seeing my wife. Just because <laughs> she drove you to <laughs> <laughs> No, but just the, when you can like basically. It's, that's what it's all about. You go to football, don't you? You do. Like, that's what it revolves around. Uh, that, that was a good way I like um, getting the, not permission, but getting in with the father-in-law. <laughs> go to football. That was you, that was your in. I'm sure there'll be a few, uh, listen, I'm sure there, there will be a few, you know, some will go to the locals game or whatever, that, yeah, and then they'll fall in love with it. Yes, there will be. I just don't know to any great number. But any any extra will be more than welcome. I'm pretty sure about that. Aye, I suppose we never know. We might get closer to like fans getting back if this vaccine is is going to. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. It was a bit of good news today. So we shall see what happens with that. Um, Mm -hmm. But aye, we'll chat more about the West of Scotland leagues in the down the weeks probably as things go on and hopefully continues and there's no no issues. Um, But going back to domestic football in Scotland with uh, Celtic and Rangers in Europe again mixed fortunes um, Rangers will maybe feel they should have got a win whereas Celtic feel they should have got nothing because they were dreadful Celtic will probably feel they could have got beat by a bigger scoreline um, Sparta Prague seemed to carve them open at well uh, Defensively, Celtic were absolutely shocking. They couldn't get out. How many times have we said that, John, they need a defensive midfielder who knows how to defend? The one player they might have in that kind of role is playing at centre-back. He was found out that he's not that great at centre-back in Europe. Um, but then his actual partner, who is meant to be the, the saviour centre-back, uh, Shane Duffy, was absolutely woeful. Um, so, the there was no the only positive factor for that game was that Griffiths came on and Griffiths scored um, kind of Potcher's goal, but there was literally nothing else. You know, 
they hit the bar a couple of times. They probably had three or four really good chances before they actually scored. Um, and as, that was probably, I'm just trying to think quickly, but that's probably the worst Celtic home performance in Europe. Oh, I've, I've seen. They'd not played for a month as well. Yeah, they'd not they, they were missing players and all sorts. Yeah, I, I'd spoken yeah. last week about how I was much. I was disappointed with the Aberdeen result in the semi final. I was like, oh, we did, we played all right. But then looking at the way they defended or didn't defend against Sparta Prague, it made me think again. No, I should have changed my mind. We we should have beat them. You just look well, all over the place said, defensively. Again, we said we said that against Aberdeen, that Aberdeen game. Aberdeen created chances against them. They did. That's and if you. If you fast forward slightly um, into, with the Motherwell game, they created chances against them as well, and that's it. There's there's a vulnerability in that Celtic defence. They cannot defend corners. They can't win the first headers. Um, they look scared and panicked when crosses come into their box, and teams see that, and now they're continuously getting crosses into their box. Yeah. Their keepers, Bain, is. For me, not good enough. Um, he, he would not be my first choice goalkeeper at Celtic. Um, Barkas. Neither of the two goalkeepers don't look up to much. Barkas is. Uh, I'm willing to give Barkas a bit of time, but for ten in a row, if you're ch- if you're chasing for ten in a row, and this is really got undone, they thought Fraser Foster was signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah, should have panicked. a backup option though. That's the thing. And they've panicked. They went for Barkas, and if if you're going to sign Barkas, if you if I'm Celtic, I'm going to sign Barkas. Then I'm going to sign Craig Gordon for another year, and then you can ease him in, get him used to the game, get him used to Scottish football, and then if he's needs to be taken out, you've got a reliable number one in Craig Gordon. The, the other the other big issue as well is we're talking about a defensive midfielder. The first sub for Celtic just now is Scott Brown going off. So as soon as he's off and Celtic are going to attack, they're vulnerable because they have no protection for the defence. No protection. Like Vega seems to always be kept on. We'd actually maybe be better off keeping Brown on at least to give him a bit of protection and then and attack. The, the but, thing that, that proved to me beyond any sort of doubts, I already knew anyway, was that McGregor's not that great defensively. And that's, in Europe, that becomes more of an issue. In Scotland, you can get away with it, with Brown and McGregor. But in Europe, in that particular, he was... Almost a yard off the pace for every goal. He, he, the way he was, you know, he, he wasn't tracking as as well as he should have been. It wasn't near enough when people were taking shots, or he wasn't getting any tackles in. So you've got, you know, but we've said that for years about Celtic about a proper defensive midfielder. And it's fine if you play Brendan Rodgers style in Scotland, but if you don't, which they don't now play that style in Scotland then you're looking vulnerable in Scotland, but even worse so again in Europe, and that's what happened. And listen, let's get let's get to the point where Ellen Russi, him being on his mobile phone made no difference whatsoever. That was a deflection tactic. Lennon knows that his position's under threat, and he threw his players under the bus before throwing himself under the bus, and Chris Sutton just backed him up on it, and that's... You know, and Paul Lambert. What's Paul Lambert's talking about? Jockstein? Yeah, aye. Jockstein never knew what a mobile phone is. So how the fuck I know, exactly. You let, you let Jockstein down. <laughs> over the top, certainly there. Um, maybe he was checking the odds of who that Celtic manager will be. Hey, we ran a poll. I don't like doing it in terms of talking about managers losing their jobs and stuff like that. But you, you do think at the moment, 
most Celtic fans you speak to, um, I don't know if it's the same for yourselves, they, they don't want Lennon there anymore. No, no. no. Which, any, any, any that I know don't want him there. The, the, the main thing that I see on Twitter from Celtic fans is if you ask them who's going to stop 10 in a row, they'll say Neil Lennon. They won't say Steven Gerrard, they won't say Rangers, they'll say, they say Neil Lennon will stop 10 in a row before anyone else. Yeah, you could turn that on your head and ask the Rangers fans who's going to win uh, 55 for Rangers, Neil Lennon. <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they were saying at the moment. <laughs> as well. If yeah, you ask them. But the thing about the Elodrissi thing, he's been one of their best players. He's yeah, been, I like him, I'm very impressed with him. It, it, uh, and he had a great game, we'll touch on it on Sunday, so why are you throwing him under the bus? Why do you, if he's the, why, why, he could have turned around and went, do you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. See, oh. Send me back in January. Now, he's professional enough that he's he's taken it on the chin and he'll carry on, which is great. But why why put him in that situation in the first place? It's just, it's beyond belief. Just an easy cop-out, isn't it? As opposed to looking at what the actual problem is. Yeah, well, exactly. That didn't affect anything that's on the pitch. The problem's tactics. The problem's not bringing in the right players in the summer. And he doesn't want to attack the board because the last time he did that, he walked away from the job and didn't find a better one. Aye, uh, I think that we, we've spoken about the tactics all over the place, but I think in the moment, regardless of what the tactics are, there's players there that just do not look confident. Um, I, I don't know the situation with Edward fully, but obviously there was a speculation he wanted to leave. Against Motherwell, he did not look like a guy that was happy um, enjoying his football. No, I, as I think... You could say the same. I think Frimpon has regressed this season. Um, I don't think he looks as positive as he was before. I think there's a mixture of tactics, but so, also as well, these players are good enough to be in these games. For, for me, Edward, we can't judge Edward until another few weeks of football in, te- in terms of he's just came back from COVID. We don't know how that's affected him. He had to have heart results that kept him out of a, a game as well because of the, I think, the, the COVID situation. He had to get tests on his heart and stuff like that. So he might just be lacking a bit of fitness and he's coming back from, you know, a spell of not being fit. Um, I don't believe that he doesn't care about 10 in a row. I don't believe that he... I don't think he was ever close to leaving. I don't think anybody put in a, a big enough bid for him. I just think it's, again, an easy excuse. Frimpong, I think Frimpong suffers from a wee bit of... Um, easy to kind of get at because he's young. I think a lot of fans seem to take an easier route when it comes to young players. And I think he's never convinced that he's going to stay in the team. I think Lennon's a bit like that. He's a bit unpredictable. So maybe he puts El Howard back in the team and stuff like that. So I think, I, I still think for Bogs, one of the better players this season. So Duffy's just been terrible as far as I can see is from what I've you know taken in of him. Uh, Brown's clearly in decline and coming in and out of the team McGregor is better going forward but he's asking to stay back Neatcham's not done enough uh, Ajeti's just getting Christie's not done enough Christie's yeah. been last season Christie was different class for Celtic this season he's floated in and out of games that I've caught um, he's no reached standards of football that he's definitely played uh, I've always thought Christie's not as good though when he's playing in that kind of almost wider position. He's not as good cutting in much apart from the Aberdeen goal. He's best as a number 10 where he's playing off someone and he's getting involved more. I think it's, how wide he's wasted. 
Celtic fans like a, a, a kind of dig at Forrest, and I think that's because he came through the youth system and he, he can frustrate them at some at some points, but they've missed him. Forrest, he's, you know, with Ellen Lucy and then Christie playing a bit more central, that would see something a bit better, I think. Um, but, you know, they, they were hopeless in Europe and that's what showed. And that's a big worry for a lot of Celtic fans. And a win against Motherwell has not changed, I don't think, that, that kind of thought process that they could be in serious danger of not getting 10. What were your thoughts to the reaction of Sutton after the game in the way that he kind of singled out Griffiths in particular? Sutton was Sutton is forthright with his opinion until it comes becomes about his pal. He then had to track back when he saw the Celtic fans' reaction. He had to kind of give Lennon a bit more of a hard time in the Daily Record. Um, the Griffiths thing, I think Griffiths has to expect that. Um, but at the same time, how are you going to get more? F- Match fit if you don't play more minutes, if you're kind of keeper on coming in with 30 minutes to go. Um, and how, what 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 does Chris Sutton know more than anybody else? Has Leo Lennon said something to Chris Sutton? Where's this all coming from that Chris Sutton seems to know that he's not fit enough? Oh, I mean, I suppose if anyone is going to maybe hear more than he would be likely to, but he must have about the best minutes per goal record for Celtic, I would think, just now. Griffiths, even the missus said when Griffiths came on, all he does is come off the bench and score goals. That's <laughs> what he does. He does. He scores goals. Ah, he hopefully, there's that for Scotland. Um, I, I was glad to hear that he was in training this morning because uh, he didn't need to be, but he was there because he wants to get get his fitness up. Um, but again, it's just an easy target, and I don't know where it's kind of coming from in the sense that he, Griffiths did his job, whether or not. He was fit enough to play the full game. He's missed a lot of football in the last year, so he might not be fit enough yet. He still came off and scored the goal. He still looked a, a livelier prospect than pretty much everybody else on the pitch. So I, I just think it's an easy, another easy target. Unless they know that's the way you get a reaction off Griffiths. Is that when you criticise him in the press that he, he comes back and he responds? Maybe there's something like that. Maybe some kind of psychology maybe, maybe, that maybe, you don't uh, know about. Cause, it could be. Um, but we should probably move on to Rangers because we could talk about Celtic and their tactics and everything for weeks, hours. Um, Rangers, the situation, obviously, first half, superb. You're thinking against 10 men, they'll see the game out, and then it never quite happened that way. It's kind of an old situation that's never fully rectified itself in Europe, away from home. Uh, game management um, for Rangers. Uh, probably Hollander's worst game um, for Rangers. Had a couple of quite crucial mistakes. But it's like what we said about Celtic at Leo. Would you take a draw before the game? Yes. Under those circumstances, probably not. Um, more, a lot more positives for Rangers Morelos scored his goal which is now the top scorer for Rangers in European football Tavernier looked fantastic down the right um, Kent looked lively again for first I minute they were, 3-1 as well yeah the they post. hit the post with Kent so I think the first minute poor kind of last closing minutes in the kind of 
the way they conceded the last two goals was poor, but I, I, everything in between that was fine. It was really good, and that'll give them confidence. And then what they did on Sunday showed that there's no hangover. So I think all in all, Gerard will think he had a good week, um, and especially when you look at what happened at Celtic. Seven yeah, points. I think games as well. Yeah, I think I think Rangers, even although if you take away, they're in, they're not totally in pole position, but they're it's only the three games. There's still three games left, but they're it's in their own hands, and I think they'll qualify. Um, that away at Benfica was obviously was the hardest game in the group, um, and as you say, you would have taken a draw easily before the game. They should have won the game, but. They could beat them at home. Yeah, and Benfica hadn't lost at home for a, a number of games in Europe as well. So that was very much, as Donald said, that was the kind of yardstick, the hardest game of the group should have should be that one. Yeah. The other game as well in that group, Paul Stan beat Standard Liège 3-1. Yeah, I think Standard Liège are out that now. They're struggling big time with COVID issues, obviously. Yeah. So they're, they're, they probably were going to finish probably between them and Paul's and bottom of the group anyway um, they're kind of probably out it now so it's any two for three although it should be Rangers and Benfica they'll be the two that qualify Benfica maybe winning the group Rangers second no Rangers could win the group if they if they beat Benfica at home um, I think that would put them almost through and then and winning the group but they're, they're playing fantastic apart from that little blip Aye, every time they go forward at the moment Rangers you just think they'll score but it's coming from all, all areas of the park, every area of the park. I mean, Goldson's popped up with goals already this season. Um, the only the only one really that has needs to is Hollander or, or whoever's playing beside him if it's bargain. But you're looking at Tavernier's top goal scorer with eight goals, and, and Barris it's always chips in, so it's right back, left back. You've got Kent scoring goals. That was Rangers' biggest problem last season. Was there? Apart from Morelos, they were getting nothing from midfield, and and even the attacking sense of Kent. Um, that nobody's talking about Hadji I mean Hadji's no out of the picture as such but um, you know, the goals are coming for Morelis they're coming for Roof who's coming in Defoe's come back in for Nova who's scoring goals he'd never get any on Sunday but he hit the post what three times um, um, Arfield scoring goals Arfield back in scoring back in uh, fit is scoring yeah. goals as well Parker yeah. is even chipping in with you yeah coming off the bench and scoring yeah so it's, the goals are coming for all over which Last season was never wasn't it there? It was Morelos, and that was it. If he didn't score, then Rangers probably wouldn't have scored unless it was a penalty for Tavernier. Morelos has also developed more of his all-round game as well. So it's helped. It's had to help Morelos as well. You know, you saw him with his control and hold-up play on the right wing against Benfica. Then spread the ball out to Glenn Kamara, who then obviously scored his goal so the whole team's working well as a unit Um, you know we we talk about Hadji and he's still created six assists so that's your player that's kind of a bit in in and out of form and he's still creating six assists it just shows you how good Raiders are currently going forward it's just because of the price tag isn't it if the price tag isn't there, then he's probably not getting criticised. Same as Kent. Well, but, 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 Kent, I think, did underperform slightly last year. I think his surname helps helps that sort of scenario as well. People think Hadji um, and then think of the kind of position he plays. So I think it's it's his name, it's his position, and it's his price tag. 
why do we think Rangers are so good defensively this season in comparison to last season? What's been the difference? Because um, no I don't see anyone that's actually managed to pick up on why they are so good defensively now. No. I think, I think Balogun's been a good signing. I think Hollander's always been a solid player, although I've just laid down for the, the game against Benfica. And I think being able to interchange those two players has been good. I think the same for McLaughlin coming in for McGregor. I think that bit of rotation probably helped McGregor. Um, and McLaughlin's been very solid since he's came in. Um, I've touched on it um, before um, with Bassi coming in for Barisic when they need to hold on to a game or they need to play a bit better defensively um, or, or play a bit more defensive-minded um, football. He'll come in at left-back. Um, but a, a big part of it is also they are very good going forward. So teams are then putting the kind of back foot and sometimes, as people say, the best form of defence is attack. And if they've got all the ball and they're the ones that are creating all the chances and scoring goals, you're kind of then playing catch-up straight away and it's hard to then break down a, a good defence. I think Goldson's becoming more and more of a leader in the back four as well. Yourself, Donald, would you? you any particular thoughts on it? Yeah, that, I'm just echo what Scott says, really. Um, I can't really add much to that because he's almost he's almost taken uh, word for word. But I was going to say as well, but I, I don't even I don't know if it, if there's anything that's happened in the coaching behind the scenes that we just don't know about that um, that's maybe helped. But but as uh, as Scott said, Connor Goldson's always been a decent player. The highlight, obviously, the moving to Rangers is the 24-7 focus on, on players that comes into both Rangers and Celtic is just phenomenal by the media. And anything, whether it is good or bad, is highlighted all the time. I just And then you, I've never um, thought that he was a bad player. Um, and, and he's proven that now, obviously. And, and as you say, with Balogun, has been a decent centre-half uh, obviously not a first team regular down south at Brighton, but he played for Wigan, obviously quite regular. Um, and you're finding the defensively, Barisic again as well. He's attacking. Everybody knows about his attacking sense, but defensively, he's, he's improving still. I mean, he's, he's young. He's all the time. And Tavernier at the moment's just played the best football of his career. I think um, he's just just phenomenal. What he's what he's doing at the moment and. Uh, the defensive mistakes have been cut out. Um, they're almost at the moment. He might, still, he might still have them, but... Two, 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 two more things that, that um, help. So I think we should probably go into the kind of Rangers-Hamilton game because uh, this kind of leads on nicely into that. I think one thing helps is that Jack has stepped up defensive midfield position. I think he's, again, improved this right. season. And I think having him beside, say, a Davis or a Kamara just controls the midfield as well. So that kind of having the ball gives the team, the opposition less chance of doing anything. And that kind of leads on to my next point, which was Hamilton. Did they really step into Rangers half at all? Uh, in Not that too game? deep. So they, 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 I remember praising Hamilton, who lost a game earlier in the season for not giving up, but they gave up in uh, Ibrooks. And that it just, 
you know, out of all my notes that I've written about the games, that's probably the least amount of notes is the Rangers Halton game because uh, the Tavernier was fantastic. Um, I like that Gerard brought uh, Ryan Jack off for the Scotland situation at halftime. He knew that the game was done at full now. I thought that was great. Um, but you and know, Zunga came on, didn't he, for his debut? Yeah, and Kent was again lively until he came off. Uh, and you know, to, to score eight goals and you've not got Jermaine Defoe um, scoring um, just shows you how, uh, you know, it could have been it could have been double figures quite easily that game. Aye, I think uh, aside from the defensive aspect, they've learned how to break teams down. See last season and obviously Hamilton did win it, I bet, didn't they? Yeah. Teams that sat in deep, Rangers struggled to break down, whereas this season you can see a massive difference in terms of the way they play it in and around the box. Nice wee interchanges, yeah. everyone getting involved. And it's just a swagger that they've got. They it's can it's massive. Um, and they're just not giving away many chances. That, that's something we've touched on all season. I don't think we've managed to pinpoint it exactly. Maybe we have a wee bit tonight, but they're not giving away many chances in, in games to play. Aside from maybe, obviously, the Benfica game we spoke about. But aye. Celtic, um, I know we're going to Sunday, but we may as well. We've been talking about them. Yeah. You said earlier, Motherwell created a kind of enough chances that maybe the game could have been closer. But yeah, I think I think a bit Celtic more, a bit more Celtic, about Celtic than what Celtic, it has been. Yeah, there there was obviously a reaction, which is a good thing for Celtic. They were better on the ball. Um, I thought Elanusi reacted well, scored a hat trick. Um, his last goal, I thought, was the best goal um, of the three that he scored. Uh, nice header. Rogic was good again. I know you don't really like me discussing Rogic. Pardon? Bleep, bleep. He danced around Motherwell's defenders quite a few times uh, that game. Uh, I thought Frank Bong was, again, um, coming into a game. Uh, it should have been a definite sending off from Devante Cole's challenge. Uh, that was that was X-rated. I was um, Nietzsche will be happy he got, got on the score sheet uh, so I, I think Motherwell really good goal for Gallagher really, again no it came from a set play so that shows you again why Celtic are vulnerable in those positions uh, Polworth put his own defence under too much pressure and that's what are you doing he, there? Yeah. because you can clearly see that there's a there's an attacker there it's not as if, yeah. it, it's, not as if it's one of those ones whereby He's had a no-look pass back to the keeper. You can he's, clearly see there's a, there's a second player there. He's either the bread fart or he's just panicked and just take, taking the responsibility away from himself. Uh, I, or I he thought I he'd get an extra assist. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I don't know what's the, what he was doing in that situation. Uh, yeah, so and the interesting stat that I got from that game was that Motherwell actually created more um, corners than Celtic that kind of shows you again that Celtic are probably weak at the back and you know they've given away too many corners and then they're not great defending corners so opposition teams are happy to kind of pick them up Yeah, this is something I've uh, not realised at Motherwell so far this season but a, a wee wrestling reference that some folk might get but Celtic came on like the shield coming in through the what would be the crowd coming through the, the stadium so there you go. Yeah, it's, it's just unfortunate that that's about a four or five year old reference. I know, but 
<laughs> you just wanted to say it. Your wee face lit up when you came up with it. Aye. <laughs> um, aside from that, there's a couple of games in terms of highlights that we struggle to see them. The St. Johnson come on it game, and then the, was it the Ross County game? Was it like. There was, I, I only caught wee glimpses of that, but uh, it was very foggy. <laughs> Aye, just a wee bit. I was thinking you were going to go with some sort of undertaker coming out there. Oh, well, you, you, could, you could go for it. <laughs> so, uh, the Ross County. So, was the Ross County Levy that we're going to go for first? Or the St. Oh, uh, wherever, to be honest. Um, yes. I don't think there was maybe too much to say about that game, apart from the fact they'll probably both be pleased with. They didn't lose. Point. Yeah, pleased they didn't, didn't lose. Picked up an extra point with. Halton getting severely beaten um, obviously becomes a bonus. Ollie Shaw, 2-2, two and two, um, a nice poacher's goal. Really liked Livingston goal. Um, a nice disguise pass. Um, set Pittman away down the wing. Um, really good cross into the back post for Nicky Devlin to finish. I liked that goal a lot. Um, but yeah, the main thing is they've kind of stopped the rot slightly in terms of picking up points and there keeps, keeps a buffer between them and the bottom side. So both of them in the So that'll be the main main talking point for them is just getting that that kind of point. Aye, they both needed it because our form has been dreadful pretty much. Well, more so Ross County and Lovey. Lovey have actually been not too bad. The other game that was hit by the fog was Kamarik and St. Johnson. I think probably St. Johnson were deserving winners from yeah, watching the, the highlights. So they and what I see online from Kamarik fans as well. So the kind of thing that they beat Kamarik in every single stat that I saw. So in terms of shots attempted, possession kept, and things. Memorable like statistics, mini so, scouts. <laughs> I said uh, previously as well about Dan McNamara. Um, I've been impressed with him this season. He really, you know, for what I've seen of that goal, he took it well. Uh, Kelly, it would have been a different game if Broadfoot scored um, in that particular corner where he hit the bar. The St. Johnston defence were all, all at sea. They obviously couldn't see it neither. Uh, penalty shout? You think? I thought it was a penalty. How did you see it? It's really busy. It looked like it probably was. I think one right. of the few replays, it looked like it was. But I think Callum Davis would just be happy to get a wee bit of luck. Because um, how many times have we seen seen them this season? They've lacked that bit of luck. They've lacked that, that bit of kind of um, creativity in front of gold. They managed to get that. Kept a clean sheet and got a wee bit of luck along the way with the penalty. A wee bit of form as well. A couple of wins and a draw in the last three. So yeah, and I think there's definitely signs that they're they're improving. St. Johnson, apart from the getting the points recently, I think they've been actually decent all season. You can see a change in style of play. Yeah, I mentioned Matt Namara almost every week. I think as well. When you look at Stevie May, he's coming back into his own. Even if he's maybe the goals have dried up again. Craig Conway's looking good. Play. Uh, I think. We've got a structure to them, and I think that that's just going to bode well as the season goes on. I think uh, the other game, well, there was two other games, but the St. Mirren Dundee United game, 
probably the biggest thing to talk about would be the fact that St Mirren, after not playing for about a month, it looked like the way around. Dundee United were the team that hadn't played, but Dundee United are a clean sheet, three and four, I think that is. Clean sheets. Yeah, they're still top of that. It's still in the top half, um, no matter how much uh, Tony wants to do them down. Uh, they, they were good with their last ditch defender, but they shouldn't be going into that game and losing the battle the way they did in terms of St Mirren bossed that game. St Mirren had a kind of young team as well, but they possession-wise looked as if they were far superior than Dundee United, created a lot more chances. Um, but Mickey Mellon said it himself, he was happy with the defence and he was happy with the clean sheet. So We just need better performances so we can use a Happy Mondays reference for uh, Mickey Mellon. <laughs> <laughs> Know, but they, they have got a good base like you've touched on it the last few weeks I mean if you're no conceding you're always in my chance of picking up something whether it's a draw or maybe a 1-0 win you know they've got Clark that can get goals they still need to get more out of Shankland um, and I don't I don't know what's kind of happened there in terms of their style of play has probably changed and that's hampered Shankland they're not creating uh, many chances they're well, exactly. sort of the back, but not creating many chances at that's your problem. <laughs> and that is, yeah. Um, and, you know, St will look at that game as a chance missed, if anything, because they could have got three points. And Dundee United to look at it and think, well, that's another point in the table. We're still in the top six. So on to the next one. On to the next one, yeah. So the final game on Friday was Aberdeen against Hibs, which was pretty much over as a contest after the first 15 minutes or so. Um, pressing from Aberdeen again, tremendous, led by yeah. Hedges and Wright. Hedges, yeah. There's been talk about whether we could press as well without Watkins and Cosgrove back in the team, but Cosgrove doesn't need to press. When you're wanting to do the press, you just let Hedges and Wright go ahead of him and they do the pressing, and that led to both our goals. And uh, a big win for Aberdeen, considering both teams had lost the semi-finals. It was about who would react best, and Aberdeen and John reacted very quickly. Aye. I like Cages. I, I, I must admit, I've been very impressed with him this season. So, any time that I've saw him, obviously, he's, he's been the player that stuck out for Aberdeen for me. I think yeah. the thing as well, which McInnes has probably learned, he probably knew already, was that if you play him as a, a 10 as such, as opposed to a wing back, you're obviously going to get much more out of him. There's certain teams in certain games where we'll play him probably still as a wing back, but as a 10, him and Wright, you can tell they enjoy playing football with each other. They're always wanting to do wee interchanges, have nice wee passes and, and all that type of thing. They've been christened the Hairband Brothers as well with, with that. And, but, and uh, the foot, and listen, you can wear a hairband if you can play those two being playing because the pressure on Portis was fantastic, the cutback was good and then the turn and finish was sublime as well. So that was an all-round fantastic goal. Ferguson got an assist for that as well. Cosgrove <laughs> <laughs> uh, finishes superb though for a guy that's not played much, obviously. Uh, no, he took his goal well. Takes yeah. it well. Because you almost think at one point as he, as he left it too late to hit the trigger, pull the trigger, but no, good goal. Uh, yeah, it, 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 kind of, it was a smart finish as well. He took it outside of his foot to kind of curl it back inwards. Uh, no, I, I like Cosgrove's goal as well, I think. And it, it, that kills the game off at that stage. Um, and game we've management said, after that, pretty much. We, we, well, we, we've said before about Hibs that, and this is where it will be concerning, I think, for Jack Ross, is that they've not been playing particularly well in certain games, but picked up points, and now it's starting to look as if 
they're starting to lose games and still not playing well, and they need to kind of change that. I think. Maybe Tony's get confused when he's talking about Dundee United, and that also means Hibs. Because as you say, <laughs> oh, aye, they've been picking up the points, but they've not been playing particularly great. I've seen as well Colgs for the Boyle to get dropped, and Boyle started the season on fire. He was yeah, really good. It's... I still think he's no that great as a wing back. Anyone Boyle just, I'd even play Boyle as a through the middle. I know it's difficult because they've got Doidge and Nesbitt, but through the middle, that pace, getting in behind, defenders don't want to play against that. If you've got a front three, it's always better if you can interchange them in some ways. Maybe Doidge can't, but I'm sure Nesbitt can go in and out and you can swap Boyle in and play him through the middle at points and on the wings at other points. Um, probably should have had a penalty hips with Kennedy and Boyle, you think? If you remember, no, I think Boyle, I think Boyle's momentum is taking him up, and then he's kind of looked for it. He's kind of arched his back. He kind of felt the defender and went down. But that, that's just my own assessment on it. I don't do me. No, I'm happy with that. Uh, and I think as well, Ash Taylor played really well. I thought as he, he kind of held he the defence together. He never had much defending to do, but yeah, you know, he was good. I think the whole team is good. You know, that's exciting about when your team's doing well defensively is when they're called upon after not doing a lot during the game and still kind of plug certain things, aspects in kind of last 10 minutes. I think that's, when you say game management, that comes from the back, I think. Yeah, Hibs were very sloppy in possession, but they, they couldn't pull many passes together or string even. They were as poor as they've been this season probably. Jack Ross wasn't happy with the players. He was so it'd be interesting to see if you get a reaction because you've got international break, which doesn't come at a good time. No, but you want no, to get exactly, straight away, don't you, to, yeah. to respond? Yeah, nearly two off. weeks before they're back. Uh, but that's the second best start I've ever had in the last 20 years. But the second best start under McInnes, so 26 points after 12 games is pretty good with a, a big, massive test next up against Rangers because that's the. The one major game whereby you would be disappointed from an Aberdeen point of view, the first opening game, just dreadful, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, it will be. That. So, we had the lower leagues, we're not going to touch on them overlay this week, but the prediction game that we've got, the podcast against Ali Graham, Scott, I'm as bad as you, Ali Graham's back to two all, <laughs> so the expert is back to two all. There'll be a break this weekend because there's... Yeah, we're having a break anyway because it's a bit of Fed Cup, isn't it, this weekend? Aye, a bit of Fed Cup. Aye. We've got an international break, so we'll get that back and it'll be the other John that will try and get us back to being ahead in that one. So, aye, well done, Ali. Reluctantly, I say that. Um, <laughs> so, good John has done a podcast. Well, he did three interviews last week, which were terrific, with Paul Mitchell, Gordon Sheak, and Craig Brown. I listened back to earlier on. Craig Brown, I could listen to all day because he just loves talking about football and tactics and all that type of thing. I'm a geek like that with the tactics and all that type of thing. So it was good listening to that. So if you've not listened to it already, yeah, we listen. Is he still mm-hmm. claiming victories on throw-ins? And he wasn't, to be fair, because he's not managing it at the moment, but he, he was talking about Aberdeen, obviously, because he's got the links there. Um, bye, good guy. Um, and it got me excited again because you're thinking, aye, Craig Brown was a guy that got criticised at the time for maybe what was perceived to be negative football. But then you look back and we've seen the highlights of the likes of Euros and tournaments. They weren't that negative. They had good players there. Yeah. Um, and they, we would bite your hand off to be in a position whereby we're qualifying for as many tournaments. We, just we one played, tournament. 
we played really well and kind of unlucky against England Euro '96. That will always kind of stick in my head. Um, you know, I had to play with spot on most of the yeah, time. Yeah, it, it was, and um, you know, it's a really good interview with John. Um, and it reminded me of the time we were staying. So me, my mum, my dad were staying at the Marine Hotel in Trun. Ah, you're right, okay, aye. And Craig used to take his Scotland team there. So you're going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, so one time we were, we were there, Scotland were there as well. So you had Jim Leighton's, you had Colin Hendry's. And I remember saying to my dad at the breakfast table, I said, oh, I wonder who's going to play in midfield because uh, Joel Collins is injured. And my dad's not a big football fan at all. Um, and he's one of those kind of people that just doesn't care in terms of who that person is and all the rest of it. So it's a buffet-style breakfast. So my dad goes and gets some more stuff off the buffet. And as he's coming back, he goes up to Craig Brown and he says, oh, my son's wondering who you're going to play in midfield. And uh, Craig Brown says, oh, well, if he's fit enough, tell him he can maybe get a game. So <laughs> he, was al- he was always really good. Um, another story I've got with Craig Brown is when I was... Well, God knows what age I was young anyway. I was probably virgin, get a primary school into secondary school. And a Rangers fan at the time, and Charlie Muller was coming through the Rangers team. And I wrote a letter to Craig Brown at Hamden. I really like the way Scotland are playing. What do you think of Charlie Muller? Do you think he'll ever get into your team and sort of thing? And he wrote back and he got, me, got a signed kind of postcard with all the team and um, a wee pendant, a Scotland pendant. And he said, oh, thanks very much. Uh, really appreciated your letter. Glad you enjoy football so much. Yes, I think Charlie Miller is a very good player. And it's just a case of let's wait and see when he gets into the Scotland squad. So, yeah, I've only got good memories with Craig Brown, to be honest. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> so, what do we think with Thursday coming? I am now excited, which is possibly the worst thing you can be as a Scotland fan, is be excited and be it's optimistic. The hope that kills you, John. Um, it's the hope that I know you're excited, Scott, because you've already mentioned that it's it's what not defines you as a fan, but that's your, your main thing now, Scotland. Yeah, um, yeah. It'll, it'll change your mood, it will affect your mood. Yeah. Donald, what about yourself? Well, I'm, I'm up and down like a roller coaster. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, and then I wasn't. And then, uh, then I was again, uh, and now I'm a wee bit apprehensive again. And it's, but it's not. It's mainly to do with the Serbian team keeps changing all the time because of these COVID rules. Aye. <laughs> um, learning, obviously, I mean, it's the toughest game we could we could have being over there. And then learning that half the team that's based in Italy wouldn't be able to come. Uh, and you're like, oh, Jesus, that's a bonus for Scotland. <laughs> but then you think, oh no. That puts the pressure right on us now because they're now missing four or five top players and we don't want to be in that position. And then bang, it hits. And now they are allowed to travel and some of them are already over there now uh, and the rest are coming. So you're back to playing underdog again and you're I'm back to being a wee bit confident again. Ah, yeah, it's a, it's <laughs> a tricky one. Shouldn't be. <laughs> I think there's, it is confirmed that there's at least a couple that are missing. Uh, I think Juricic is missing because he actually has tested positive for COVID. And he scored. He scored a double the last time we played in Serbia. Did you know win? 
and the other one was Velkovic at Bremen. Right. Bremen right. never released their, their players for international duty. Right. But I think aside from that, Kolarov, Malinkovic, Savage, yeah, Malinkovic, most of your big guns that they've got from Serie A are going to be playing. So yeah. it's going to be a tough task. However, they have only lost, they've only won one in six, but it was the crucial one against Norway. The, the thing that's a typical Balkan thing, Croatia's probably the same and, and Montenegro and Macedonia and all these countries, that on their day, they could beat anybody. And Serbia probably even Croatia more than the, the other countries, but on their day, they could destroy anybody. I mean, it wouldn't it surprise me that if Serbia had formed, they could, they could beat France, they could, they could beat England. I'm not saying they'll destroy them, but they could beat them. But they're, they're vulnerable and that if things don't go for them, they, they can they can collapse. There's a, a lot of infighting. And then the, I've seen them playing before the games that Serbia should be winning, maybe they're home to a Mal- an Albania or, or Lithuania or something like that, and things are not going right for them. And then all of a sudden the players fall out with one another, and, and it just depends on what kind of Serbia turns up. I mean, if we get in their faces, if we... We're strong... It's not say we're strong defensively, but over the last couple of games, we've actually looked fairly decent defensively, even although but our central defensive partnership is still poor. You call it a partnership when it's a three? Well, <laughs> it's all over the place, isn't it? <laughs> Aye, because uh, Tommy plays there and then he kind of drifts back into midfield. and it's. Um, I know, I think I know what we will play. But it's what kind of Serbia turns up is, is whether we'll... If they if they come out and they play to their capabilities, Mitrovic as well. Mitrovic is like a... a he can be a bull in a china shop. I mean, if he, if he hits, he'll score. But more okay. often than not, he doesn't. He? He's a and, bit like David Healy, though. He's an international player as opposed to club player. Aye, aye. He's, he's a, a loose but... cannon. He's a loose cannon. So if you, if you can get somebody like McKenna or, or somebody like that, just to niggle him up the back and just keep pestering him and pestering him, he could turn. He aye. could flip and the next thing, bam, there's a punch thrown or a kick or something and he's off the park and then it plays in your favour. See, the aye. thing is, the, the last time they were at home was uh, last November and that was a 3-2 home win against Luxembourg at home they've been very iffy um, as of late um, lost to Hungary um, and Hungary are, are on the up and up um, the Mitrovic thing kind of scales me a wee bit um, you know he's that kind of aggressive tall the um, striker that our defence seems to crumble under. Or was it? Uh, trying to remember his, how to pronounce his name. Who was the big Russian lad? Is it? Zubia. So we absolutely caved. The big man. Exactly. We caved under his presence. Um, so Mitrovic, and then you've got. Malikovic Savic providing the, the passing for him, um, that might worry me slightly. But at the same time, with their home form, with a wee bit of luck, you know, that's all it takes. It takes a wee bit of luck at the right opportunity, falls to the right player, and hopefully that'll be a Scotland player that can send us into the Euros. 
they're actually maybe quite similar to us in terms of the way they're going to set up. I think they're, they're likely to set up three five two, but almost maybe a not a striker as a second man. It'll maybe be maybe a Taric who can play in between midfield uh-huh. and back, which is maybe a bit more dangerous in terms of trying to pick them up if you're playing my back three. I think as well, but I think it'll be I think it's going to be tight. I don't see there be many it's, goals in it. And I think um, Ryan Fraser not being there that's a, a loss for us as well. It's, um, it's a big loss. Grant, Grant Hanley. You know, that's maybe actually a, a, a winner for us. Um, but, for, you know, especially how he kind of came into the, the, the last couple of um, Nations League games and stuff, I think that's a loss for us. What does he do then, do you think? Do you think he goes with Christie instead of Fraser? Yes. Or do you think, yeah, you think that'll be... I think, I think it'll be Christie. I think... Dykes, Dykes up front. Yeah, I think Dykes is nailed in. Yeah. I would say you would think... With his record so far, I think he'll need to play. I yeah. think he'll go with takes up front and then Christie just behind. Um, and I think, depending on how the game goes, if it's if we need a goal, he'll probably turn to Griffiths before McBurney. If we need to see it out, he'll to, to bring If we need to see it out, he'll take McBurney on ahead of Griffiths. Yeah, the other situation, I think the midfield, I think, will probably be Jack, McGinn, McGregor, I think. Yeah. Um, but Armstrong, I think, would be a possibility, but I think he'll go with that three. He's played that three in the big games the last I think, games, more, I think that's it. It's I think back. It's more a big possibility thing. for Armstrong playing ahead of Christie than in the midfield ahead of... Yeah, um, yeah that could be an option. That could be an option. Did Palmer at right back... I think he'll go with O'Donnell just because of the last few games. I think O'Donnell was pretty good actually the last two games. And he, he probably knows him and trusts him a wee bit more because Aye, of the Aye, to be fair, Sheffield Wednesday's my English team obviously, so I do catch up. And obviously Liam Palmer's been out of the team, mind you, at Sheffield Wednesday. And any time he has come in, he's actually been playing right sider, uh, centre, centre-back. So he has, he's not actually been put. In fact, even last season... At the, the end of last season, it's been a long time since he's actually played either right back or right wing back. Um, he's featured more often than not as a, a right sided centre back, or he's not played at all. Has he been decent in the centre? He's actually played all right. <laughs> he's been he's been the best centre back they've got, and they've got about six in the books. Um, and he's the one that's adapted to the position better than any actual centre backs playing as us as three. I think, uh, but. Just seen in the news before we come on there at night, Gary Monk's just left Sheffield Wednesday. So, I seen that, aye. Um, so he might, depending on the new manager, he might be back to right back. He might not play that position again, but he's actually been fairly decent playing it. Aye. Uh, obviously, keeper, I think, Marshall, he'll be playing. It's the back three that's a big question. I think he will go with McTominay again. So it's actually right. order two. Yeah, pick McTominay, from, so. McKenna. Gallagher. No, I think we turn no. it. Oh, I forget. Oh, I could be. Do you so, think though, maybe against a Serbia who are a bit more physical, he'll maybe go with a bigger back three, so maybe we wouldn't play Tierney. Yeah, if he's if he's got McTominay and he's got McKenna, is that yeah, if, you, uh, if, you, yeah. if you're playing if you're playing with one striker, but one of them not pick up the the, the one striker? Well, yeah, it's you've got... if it is a one, I, I'm, I'm only going by what I've seen recently, and 
Yeah, if Mitrovic plays up front in cell, you think McKenna would mark him? Um, do you think McKenna comes back in straight away? I yes. think he does. He's been but, playing all right for Forrest, hasn't he? Uh, he's scored like scored as well. Uh, he's been getting pretty decent plays. Clark, Clark kind of trusts him. I think that's the thing. I think Clark will go back to this players that will trust. That's why you, you haven't seen Portis. Not that he does, you know, I'm not second guessing David, but he's, he, does, he hasn't seen Portis play. Considine's earned his trust, that's why he's back. He's, he's kept his place in the squad. Um, Gallagher, wouldn't surprise if Gallagher played um, if he decides against Tierney, because um, I think he's won trust there. Um, but I, I think it will be McKenna. I think is Cooper still there? I think he'd be ahead of Gallagher. He's in the yeah, squad, isn't he? I? Cooper yeah. played. The, remember, Cooper played the first game. They went back to Leeds injured. So Whereas Gallagher played the. Did he, did he play all three? Or did he played two of them. I think he played all three. Uh, but I still think I think. Considine played really well with two games, but I think he but, just was in as a lot an emergency. But he played so, well. He did equip himself well. So I would, I would always assume the first team that he picked is the kind of team he would pick normally. Do you know what I mean? That's the kind of team that he puts his bet on because that's the kind of team he picked first. So that's the team that he probably trusts the most. So aside from the team, how does the game pan out? For me, it's going to penalties. <laughs> it's, I just I, I guess, <laughs> I guess it's penalties, which <laughs> no, is going to be a nightmare. But I just don't think there's much to call between the two teams. There isn't. There's no much to call with that. One nil Scotland. Uh, I think it. yeah, it could be one nil. Could be one nil the other way. I think the fans will pay an impact because there is some going to be some fans, and I don't. I know folk have said, "Oh, I, you need to be all. You can't applaud. You can't shout." I don't believe that Serbian fans can do no. that. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> no. Uh, how many fans any do it? I think they're allowed thirty percent. Right. And I, I don't. I don't know what the capacity is. So right. I think it's a partisan Belgrade's ground. Right. Um, so, try and have a quick see if I can see what the capacity is. But I would like to think that it wouldn't bother. You know, that would, that would happen no matter what. They would have to. So it's 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 just you know the way I would look at it is it's thirty it's seventy percent less than what would there be normally. So I bet none of us. Yeah, uh, twenty nine thousand. So maybe about just under ten, I would think. Aye, aye. Which, I mean, that's that can still. It's still be, quite a wee bit, especially over that neck of the woods. Aye, there'll not be there'll not be much social distancing done. <laughs> the lobby huddled in together, like the ultras with no tops on and flare pyrotechnics going everywhere. <laughs> aye. Um, so I were thinking then, or oh, this is I see. I don't know why. Be speaking like this in terms of being optimistic, but at least if I say penalties, that's tight. Well, we've been through one now and we've won it, so we're the team with the the we've got confidence in uh, and everything else in it. Aye, so I Thursday will be the, the fate will be decided, and then we'll worry about the Nations League for the World Cup after that. Yeah, because that, that'll be a difficult thing. They could end up qualifying on Thursday for that. But then, oh, you've got, I've got a game. They've got a game on Sunday. I know. Aye, against Slovakia. If they get, if they win it. But 
but that's what we should be hoping for. We should be hoping that we, we we're winning these big games, and then another one comes around the corner, and then we take a win there as well. Do you know what I mean? What's well, he, Kenny McLean, with a bottle of Mad Dog, going mad? Callum, Part- <laughs> Callum Parsons getting formed for that as well in the playoffs. Uh, but I, well, it's big games. That's what you want, I, as you say, big games coming up, and even the uh, only briefly talk about the other Nations League. We're in a good position there. Yeah, yeah, for the yeah, yeah. I think it all stems from Serbia. Uh, what happens there could kind of tilt the, the other games in terms of a really bad, dismal performance if we get absolutely humped in Serbia. could really distract us from the Nations League. A win or a, or a positive result could really spur us on to kind of have a bit more belief about ourselves. We're actually going to Euros. Let's celebrate and let's dismantle Slovakia on the way. Aye, let's hope we can celebrate. The plan is that we're going to have Ian from the Tottenham Army magazine back on next Monday. And hopefully it's a, a boozy podcast where we're all mm-hmm. celebrating and happy. <laughs> Mind you, either way, it could be a boozy podcast. Either way, in anyway, aye. <laughs> um, so I will see what happens. Um, we can I say that this, well, before I start, we were hoping it would be, not hoping, but maybe a bit of a shorter podcast night. I think we have managed it, but it's still been about an hour and a half, so... I don't think there's anything else we need to discuss. Uh, I've seen Tony Watt sign the new deal at Motherwell to 2022. So he's putting down some some roots, some stability so maybe. Good. Hopefully he carries on. I think, he, he, to be fair, I think he did all right against Celtic as well. I don't think he'd done anything that would um, suggest that he's not going to be amongst the goals the next time. I think he did all right. I think there's, the one thing we did say about the Motherwell situation is when they do come against Celtic, they're one of those teams that just have that kind of complex when it comes against Celtic, I think. I didn't realise when I was reading that uh, yesterday, this morning or yesterday, just how poor Motherwell's been against Celtic recently. Yeah. Their record is, I mean, everybody talked about Aberdeen's record being pretty poor against Celtic, but Motherwell's record is quite horrific. 18 games, I think, isn't it? Yeah, aye. Like 13 yeah. at Fur Park or something like that. Aye. Yeah. So, um, I used to always remember as well, Motherwell being Celtic tough games. I yeah. know. That, that's, what made me, that's what made me sort of go, whoa, I didn't realise that. Uh, we were, that might we were, be me still thinking I'm yawning in the 90s when they had like, the likes of Dougie Arnett and all that. And <laughs> John Spence <laughs> causing problems. Even, even slightly later than that, James <laughs> McFadden and Stephen Pearson, I remember, under Terry Butcher giving them problems as well. But yeah, it's, it's not been like that recently. And, um, I think that, that kind of showed more than anything else on, on Sunday. So, if that is everything, then thank you, uh, Donald, for coming on. Hopefully, I get Good. you back on again. Absolutely, John. I loved it. Um, pleasure to meet you. Um, it's good eventually. as well, to get a bit more, a bit more uh, West of Scotland expertise as well, and uh, which is good. Not a problem. Um, same great meeting you as well, Scott, eventually. Eventually, yeah. It's and, good uh, Thoroughly enjoyed it, absolutely. Um, just give me a shout again and I'll come back on. Ideal, ideal. And cheers as always, Scott. No problem at all, thank you. Speak to you next week, all right. <laughs>